The following presentation by Taylor Fragon Capital Management LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from Taylor Fragon or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of Taylor Fragon's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at www.taylorfragon.com. Welcome again to the Lawn Only Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Jerry. And we're going to get right to the point this week because we're on a tight schedule. Growth stocks. Jerry, it hasn't been great for growth stocks. It's been a bear market. It's been a bear market. And, and I would, and, you know, it's very important, I think, uh, um, this growth versus value I've always thought was kind of ridiculous. Um, there, let's put it this way. There's a whole lot of value companies in the growth world these days. Um, this is more, I think, about the perception of what risk is. And there's this idea that companies that are more innovative, growing, um, you know, have more have risk more risk attached to them. So there's this risk on risk off mode in the world today, the way the market is trading. Mm-hmm. I, I said to the research team this morning, there's very little fundamental consideration in the market right now, um, and it hasn't. That's that's been the case. I would argue that's been the case for the last three or four years, both up and down. Um, you know, much of the up of 2020, 2021 was, you know, COVID-related, COVID-induced, you know, companies that were perceived as being benefactors of work from home and all that kind of stuff did really well. The Zoom effect, right? I think that was way overdone. Um, there wasn't a lot you're going to do. When, you're, when you take an approach like we do, which is to own companies through multiple market and economic cycles, not getting shaken out by these types of things, which are not really all that fundamental, it's not to say that there aren't companies that are being affected by higher interest rates and inflation. Um, in the short run, yes. In the longer run, I still think good, growing, innovative companies are the ones that are going to be the best in beating out the inflation bug because they're the ones that are going to end up returning the most, which is what you're looking for as a hedge against inflation. Because well, it sounds like what you're seeing. Debased. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But... Because your dollar is being debased. So <clears throat> I think uh, somewhere in this, not sure when, no idea when, but you're going to see a return to fundamentals. I would say that probably what it's going to take to get this risk off, risk on thing out of the way, um, at least the risk off is a higher, a, a, an end to these relentless higher interest rates, which we've been critics for the longest time, years, maybe even decades of the too loose monetary policy Federal Reserve, which has resulted in it w- resulted in zero percent interest rates for a number of years in a row, post 0809. We were always critical of that, and this is why we were critical of it because once they made the mistake so obviously and had to correct it, the correction was going to be overdone on the other way, on the other end, and that's what we're getting right now. Um, it, it, I would say, it could be very abrupt violent, the change on the upside for many of these risk-on companies. And that just in and of itself is, is absurd, <laughs> you know, that, that, that there's this question of 
companies, some companies are risk off and some companies are risk on. What? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I guess in general, stocks are risk on. And then you take the, the growth companies, the growthier of the company, the more risk on it is than a less growthy company. Um, it's all nonsense. It's all artificial. Um, and I would say part of the broken mechanism of the market that we've talked about, which I think really only affects people who are short-term minded, plays into this, or, or it plays into that, in that you know, less liquidity, more volatility, you know, based on the fact that less humans are making trades today, it's much more automated. Um, there are many more arbitrage-type activities going on around ETFs. We've talked about that ad nauseum. We don't need to get into it tail anymore um all of that plays into a more volatile more irrational in some cases and i i I said artificial and i'm not i'm not the only one saying i'm hearing a lot of people talking about this sort of artificial pricing that's going on right now that's that's induced by a fed that's um fighting a battle they probably now don't have to fight um Inflation bug is probably, well, it's not completely rooted out, and it never will be. And it, it really can't be when you have a fiat money. Um, I'm, we're always going to be critical of that. But the extreme ups and downs that we're seeing, and the, and the, idea, the idea that the Fed somehow is all-knowing all and omnipotent with respect to all things economic is absurd. As if the as if the Fed is what drives economic growth, that's just absurd. And as if economic growth causes inflation, that's also absurd. Um, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. It's the deck that we play with and the hand we've been dealt. And so you have to you know, work within those rules, which is one of the core reasons why we believe in multiple owning through multiple market economic cycles. Because if you're trying to guess this or trade this, um, it's an exercise in futility. Simple as that. Well, is are we still seeing the same phenomenon, which is the S&P is top-heavy? Well, sure. Yes. It's market cap-weighted, so it's always by definition top-heavy, but even more so given that there's these few, what is it now, the Magnificent Seven? Not sure I can name them all, but... By Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, they're the biggest companies in the world with trillion-dollar-plus market capitalizations. I should um, say, is the, is the top-heavy, are the top-heavy stocks what's driving the, the, the relatively good performance of the S&P compared to, it, yeah, is the S&P exactly deceiving, I guess? Yes, it is deceiving. I think there's some cracks in that coming along here now. Um, you know, we've talked about life after Google for a long time. We think from a fundamental business standpoint, there's there's uh, cracks in, the, in those business models, if you will. Um, they may be starting to show. They may not. You know, and it may take a long time for life after Google to completely play out. But uh, and that doesn't mean it's going away. It just means its dominance will will wane. Um. We're long overdue for a focus back on the innovative, creative, growing, well-managed companies that are out there that are just, in some cases, getting absolutely pummeled. Um, and, and not because of anything particularly fundamental about their business. In fact, in, in most cases, absolutely unrelated to their, their businesses. They just happen to be 
uh, you know, categorized the wrong way, if you will, uh, in the minds of the current conventional wisdom and the way that the tide is flowing at the moment. Yeah, and I, I misspoke earlier. Obviously, the, top, the, the makeup of the S&P is such that it is by definition top heavy. But I guess my question was, is it being that those stocks, is it being uh, distorted, distorted in the fact that it's being upheld by just a few of those stocks? It's, it seems like the, the indices have done relatively well, the large indices. And that's because yeah. of just a few, out, a few of these, these large stocks, which are pulling the rest of the market up or at least booing it to some degree. Uh, the next, that's true. The next recurring theme I think I see uh, from you know, hearing you guys you know, yell and scream and complain in the, in the research room <laughs> is we're see- it seems like we're seeing more and more stocks where you look at the balance sheet and the whole, the whole and effect the stock price is less than the sum of the parts. Simply the, the market capitalization, the stock price does not equate to the health of the balance sheet. Sometimes it's less obvious than others, but there actually are occasions where the the market value is trading at close to, if not even below, the net cash position of the company, which is like really okay. This is a functioning company doing. And we we've, we see one. Of, there's one out there. I won't use names right now, but that we're we're looking at, and we actually even own where it's it's trading at a slightly above its cash per share. So its price per share is slightly above its cash per share. This is a company doing. You know, making money and and doing you know hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, um, it's it's pretty mind boggling. Is it That's, profitable? Yeah, I, I said it's making money. Yeah, it, it's just turning over into profitability from long a long growth trajectory. But it's the kind of company that has you know less than a billion dollars in revenue in a potentially hundreds of billions of dollar market, um, a transformational type company, transformational technology. Um, yeah, there, there are a number of those kinds of situations out there right now. Not all of them. That's, that's an ex- more extreme, but many where the, where what you're buying the actual business for when you, when you, when you take the enterprise value, um, you know, and what it's trading at versus its sales, or when you just purely take, you know, what it's trading at, like I said, versus its net cash position. In many cases you're getting, you're getting the business for pennies on the dollar. And to put it in terms that the layman could understand, because we have people who are sophisticated listening and we have people who might not be as sophisticated, it, it's getting kind of to the point in a situation like this where it's so out of whack, someone's charging you, you know, a million dollars for a business. And then you ask, okay, and how, what are your assets? Well, we have a million two in the bank. That's, that's kind of like the, the situations and what we're seeing. Obviously, it's not that in front of your face, but if you piece it all together, you're getting effect the same, the same thing. Yeah. And I would, I would argue in many cases, because we've literally seen circumstances like that and the business is not even all really considered as being worth any. And that's just absurd. It's so, so totally absurd, but that's what you get in a market, which goes to extremes. And I've always said, you know, things always get better than you think they're going to get and can get and get worse than you think they're going to get in these kinds of extreme situations. It's like, Oh, you know, I don't think Worse than this, and then it does. Um, we're bordering into that, and you know, yes, the calendar is October, September, October, all that. There's geopolitical messes out there, um, but we are we're certainly getting extremely, 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 extremely oversold 
on the on the you know growth is bad, inflation is killing growth, blah blah blah. Um, I, I, we have to go back to. I would even say forget 0809. It's it's dot com post dot com era now, and and into the 9/11 era that we're looking at right now for many of these companies, not worse. And I'd say not if not worse because you know in the dot com era there were some really good reasons why things needed to be wrung out. Right, there was a lot of fluff in the market, um, and yes, there was. There was certainly fluff. In that case, it was businesses that got funded that should never have gotten funded, let alone go public. Um, the old, you know, if you put .com in your name, you got value. <laughs> um, that was not the case this time around. Was was there extreme? Yes. Was, or was there an extreme on the upside? Yes, for sure. Um, but nothing quite as egregious it was happening then. But we're seeing... The, the, the wake of it is similar, very similar. Um, you know, at that, I, I give you kind of a, a one example would be, and I don't have these numbers exactly right, but off the top of my head, you take the software space, which back in the post.com era, I recall between like a, a common metric in software for valuation is price to sales. So what's the company's value versus its sales? And as I recall, it got to like two to two and a half times as a group, the whole software group. And at that point in time, software was very different than it is today. It wasn't the software as a service model. That was you know, just barely beginning if, if it even had started by that time. It hadn't really. Um, and so it was the license model and you had to renew the licenses and all that kind of stuff. It was a much more bumpy business, lumpy, lumpy and bumpy. <laughs> um, fast forward 20 years later, 20 plus years later to today, software as a service is, you know, is the standard for the software business. It's a much more stable business. It's a much better user experience for the user. It's just an all-around better way of doing things, which is far more efficient, far higher margins, and a reason why you should see higher valuations for the software space, which you do. But um, where they, you know, we're averaging, you know, 15x in 2020, 2021. You know, now we're getting down into the five and six x, five and eight, six times. Which is that reasonable? That's I would say that's similar to the two to three times back in the post.com era for the valuation of the software space. And I'm just talking about one particular software or one particular industry or, or, or slice of the, of, the, of the economy and even one slice of technology. And we don't look at things in terms of we want to buy software. I'm just, I'm just using that as an example of valuations going to an extreme. So <clears throat> we're kind of at that point now, I think, in some of these places. Sectors and industries, particularly in technology, but also in in, just in in other areas of growth in healthcare and medical technology, medical devices, consumer discretionary, um, the typical traditional growth areas. Which surprise, surprise, they've been the areas of growth for years, and they will continue to be the areas of growth. Interesting. Why consumer discretionary? Because in, interesting ways of doing delivery of products to the consumer. 
changes and in, in creative ways of doing that are, are coming about, and that's where you get opportunities for growth and consumer discretionary. Technology speaks for itself. We don't need to get into that. Um, you know, medical devices, medical technology, um, you know, doing doing procedures at a much more uh, a less less invasive and cost effective way of doing things. Um, that's running. That that narrative is running amok all over the place right now in medical device technology, and huge opportunities there for yeah for say literally for saving lives. Um, and helping people to just live a much better life. So, I mean, there are all of those things that are being discounted right now. Well, as the great Thomas Paine said, these are the times that try men's bankrolls. So <laughs> we definitely, whatever the market is doing, whether it's very good or very bad, people need to be ready to come out the other side. So temper your negative and positive emotions because it's, it certainly seems like the the good times when they're going on seem kind of like they're going to last forever and the bad times are the same way. So, and yeah, and we've never been, I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's impossible. That's why, again, I, I will repeat this mantra over and over again, multiple market and economic cycles we hold through them. And it's not buy and hold. It just means if we have a good business, we're going to not, we're not going to throw it away um, because, you know, there's questions about the economy or, questions about the market um, because we never know for sure if those are going to come to fruition. Sometimes they do and we ride through them and then the the rally comes and we hope that from a planning standpoint for individual clients or institutional clients, we've got the planning right so that the balances of what we have in, you know, more, you know, less growthy type stuff and maybe even cash versus the growthy type stuff are balanced properly. Those are all things then when things improve, you can revisit and determine you know how you want to approach that so all right well till next week we're the long only podcast check us out affirm us taylorforgotten.com and email us at long only at taylorforgotten.com taylorforgotten.invest on instagram and of course rate us on itunes if you like what you hear here until then i'm doug i'm jerry and we'll see you on the long only podcast